Hello, and welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of Harvest Church here in Elk Grove. We're excited to have you join us as we share God's message of hope and love. Each week, we bring you a new message from our pastors and guest speakers designed to inspire, uplift your spirits, and challenge you. Whether you're listening on your commute, at home, or on a walk, we hope these messages will bring you closer to God and help you on your faith journey. So without further ado, let's listen in. blessed because we have an amazing speaker today. It is our very own. She's dynamic. She's anointed. She's fun. You're going to love the message. Can we welcome the biggest welcome to our very own pastor, Micaiah Nunez. Good morning, church. How are we doing? You look good, you smell good. Special shout out to our Elevate youth, junior high and adults, they're amazing. Best youth in the world, right here. Well, I gotta tell you, you should be proud of yourself because I don't know what it is about Sunday mornings, but for whatever reason, somehow that is the most difficult morning to leave the house. It's like everybody in your house wants to be crazy, for some reason, or you you didn't get enough coffee, or you didn't get enough sleep the night before. Uh, I remember as a kid, and everyone was like, my mom, she's always so stressed out when we're getting to church. I'm like, what's wrong with this lady? It's not a big deal. And now I'm like, I am so sorry, mom, because uh, I have a two-year-old daughter named Audrey, and I love her so much, but wow. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Wow. She, um, it's like something about Sunday mornings, she knows we're like in a hurry, And so I literally come out like with all her clothes and she just looks at me and she goes, no, I don't want it. That's exactly what she said. No, I don't want it. I'm like, we love church. Don't you want to church? She's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, we got to put on our clothes. No, I don't want it. I'm like, okay, great. And this morning we uh, had the meltdown of our lifetime all the way here to church screaming Uh, crying, losing her ever-loving mind over I don't know what. Um, So if you're there, if getting out of the house on Sunday morning can be a challenge for you, I congratulate you. Good job. (laughs) You did it. You made it. You're here. You look good. If, If you got in a fight in the car, I wouldn't know. You look like you're all in love and happy. So congratulations. Well, as we said already, Pastor John, Pastor Elizabeth, and and some members of our staff are, um, I don't know if you can call it stranded in Louisiana. I mean, is it really stranded when you have access to beignets and, like, good food? I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. I know they would love to be here, but I just want to give honor where it's due and say uh, thank you, Pastor John, Pastor Elizabeth, for uh, trusting me with um, our church to bring the word. And I love you guys, and I honor you, and I appreciate you. I want to give just an honor and shout out to my husband, Josh, Pastor Josh Nunes. Yeah, he's awesome. <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you for loving me and our daughter and just taking care of us and helping us and providing me with coffee and um, <laughs> lots of coffee and, you know, like a budget to buy things. I appreciate that. He's a, he's a smart man. You know, whenever I start getting kind of like edgy in the car, he's like, are you hungry? Do we need to go through Starbucks? Or are you going to be okay? And I'm like, yeah, that, that would be helpful. Thank you. Thank you, dear. So he's a great, he's a good man. God knew what I needed. 
<laughs> let's go ahead and pray, church. Let's tra- pray and let's jump into this. Jesus, thank you for who you are, for who you are in our lives, for what you've done and what you continue to do. Thank you, Jesus, that you love us, that you're here with us. Lord God, I pray that you would anoint this message, God. I pray there'd be a decrease of me and an increase of you. God, I thank you that your word is so powerful. It is truth. It is living and it is active. God, that your word never returns void. God, I pray you would give us all ears to hear, minds to understand, hearts to receive what you have for us today. God, I pray for every person in this room. God, this is always my prayer. That any person that comes into church, whether it's our hundredth time or our first time, or wherever we fall in between, God, that every single one of us would leave this place different from when we came in. God, if that's encouraged, if that's challenged, if that's convicted, whatever it is, God, you know what we all need. God, I pray that no person would leave this place untouched. God, let us leave this room closer to you than when we first came in this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we've had an awesome month of of messages. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit and the book of Acts and all the incredible, amazing things that, that God does with ordinary people when the Holy Spirit comes. And I love the New Testament. You know, Book of Acts is like a big one, right? The New Testament's awesome. It, it's sometimes one of the easier things to read in our Bibles. And, and I found that in church, and especially as a pastor, uh, that most people love the New Testament. I mean, Jesus shows up, so like, hello, right? Kind of a big deal. But, and this may be my unpopular opinion, I am an Old Testament girl. I love the Old Testament, okay? If any, all the youth, they know. I'm like always pulling out stories from the Old Testament. I love the Old Testament. Crazy things happen in the Old Testament. Like wild stuff. I know, it can get like, we could play it out because there's lots of names. It's like Shim Sham and Him Ham and Shamu and Baby Shamu. All these crazy names, right? And they're all begetting people and he begat that person. You're just like, how many more begats could there be? You know, it gets a little stressful. But if you can make it through that, there is some crazy, wild, amazing things that God does in the Old Testament. Like, first thing comes to mind, there's this story where God is just like so fed up with people, he literally opens the earth and swallows them. That's crazy. Like in the Old Testament, shepherd boys can kill giants with rocks. (laughs) Like that's wild. Men can put a stick in water in the sea parts with God. That's crazy stuff. So this morning, we're going to talk about the Old Testament. We're going to take it back. We're going to jump right into Daniel chapter 3. And if you've been in church any amount of time, you've been raised in church, or you've heard the the classic Bible stories, you're probably familiar with this story. It's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. See? Weird names. It's okay. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I love this passage of Scripture. This Scripture is wild. Now, I will warn you, we're going to start pretty scripture heavy, because it really doesn't matter what I say, as long as the word is preached, it's going to be awesome. So we're going to read through this, and we're going to talk about it. You can follow along in your Bibles, Daniel chapter 3. It'll be on the screen. Let's jump into it. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 
90 feet tall and nine feet wide. And he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And he sent messages to high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he'd set up. So all these officials came. They stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Okay, big statue, <laughs> 90 feet tall and nine feet wide. Um, you think he was making a statement? <laughs> this is huge. I was kind of like, I haven't been around any statues lately, so I'm not really sure like to scale what that is. So I started Googling, like, what's 90 feet tall? Now, yeah, look at that. And I mean, that's saying something. You know, he's like, I got this. 90 feet tall is like a blue whale. <laughs> Those are huge. 90 feet tall is a basketball court, like turned up. That's, that's pretty big, okay? 90 feet tall, and then it says it was, it was gold. This thing was extravagant. He was definitely making a statement that when you come out and what you see is who you will worship. This is who's the king. In case you were confused, in case you weren't sure, in case you can see me, now you know, big, blinding, kind of ugly statue <laughs> is who rules this area. This is who we worship. Verse 4. Then a herald shouted, people of all races, nations, languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, all the musical instruments, bow down to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. And anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So, at the sound of all the instruments, all the people, wherever their race, language, Whoever they were bowed to the ground and worshiped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So, time comes, right? Everyone's out there, they're looking at the statue, and then all the music bar, 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 starts going, right? That, that's what I imagine the trumpet sounded like. I don't know. I don't know what the Old Testament music was like, you know? But they're going, they're saying the music, all the noise is happening, and right then everybody bows down to worship this statue of Nebuchadnezzar. But if you know how this story goes, you know that not everybody bowed. There were three who decided they just weren't going to do it. <laughs> and this is where this story really gets crazy. It starts to get wild right here. Verse 8. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed the Jews. They said, King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of all these instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey will be thrown into the blazing furnace. Don't you hate a tattletale? I mean, come on. It's so pff, annoying. They don't just tattle, but they have to, like, remind them, like, don't forget you said that you were going to burn them. Like, what is wrong with these people? <laughs> okay? So they're reminding them. And then they're like, okay, so you remember that, right? Well, well, there's these three Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And remember, you, you promoted them? Like, you made them rulers over some of these provinces? Yeah, well, they are paying no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to bow down. They refuse to worship the gods and the idols and the statue you set up. So Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage. And he ordered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought, Nebuchadnezzar said, this cannot be, <laughs> is this true? 
Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. I gave you a promotion. What happened? I thought we were cool. I'm going to give you another chance. He tells them if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you now? Somebody say, stupid question. (laughs) God was probably like, buckle up, buddy. It's about to get wild. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves against you. If we're blown into the bla- thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. Ooh, the attitude. Verse 18. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the golden statue. Wow. (laughs) That verse, verse 18, even if, (laughs) is probably the most wild verse. (laughs) Even if he doesn't, who cares? We're never going to bow. Verse 18, Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He was big mad. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up, threw them into the furnace, fully dressed, pants, turbans, robes, all of it. And because of the king and his anger had demanded such a hot fire, the soldiers that were tasked with throwing them in died instantly. (laughs) Now let me tell you, if you were on duty that day, that is just like the worst luck, okay? You're probably thinking, oh, we're up here with the king. We don't really have to do anything. We're just going to kind of watch. But then, like, you end up dying in the process of killing someone. What is that about? Like, that's just, that's just the worst, okay? Nebuchadnezzar just, he was off the rails here, okay? So, they, I don't know. When I read the Bible, things like this stand out. I'm like, man, that stinks. It's <laughs> a rough time. They get thrown into the fire. Guards are dying. It's crazy. But suddenly... Nebuchadnezzar looks over. He's like, hey, didn't we put three men in that furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. And Nebuchadnezzar said, look, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god. Some translations say like a son of God. And we know that it was the son of God. Jesus was in the fire with them. He brings them out. And he decides right then, okay, get rid of the statue. New plan, new plan, okay? Nobody's worshiping anybody other than the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And if you talk bad about that God, you're dead, okay? And then he promotes these three men. This passage of scripture is wild. We can get kind of disconnected from these stories because we hear them so often. And we can kind of forget that we know how this all works out, but they didn't know. Shadrach, Meshach, and they didn't know what was going to happen. They weren't reading the future. They had the boldness to say, even if, 
confident. We're pretty confident that God's going to show up. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow. Today, my message title and the first point of my message is even if. Today, church, I want to remind us and I want to encourage us to get an even if kind of faith. Even if. What would happen if we were so confident in our God that we could say, even if it's not going to change our minds, doesn't matter, doesn't matter how threatening you are, how hot you make the fire, how big and shiny the statue is, even if not going to bow. That scripture, yes, is so powerful. Because before they said that even if, they talk about how much they are confident in God rescuing them. But even if he didn't, it wouldn't make a difference. Can we get an even if kind of faith today, church? Even if I make a stand for God and lose my job. Pretty confident God's going to cover me, but even if he doesn't, he's got me. Even if my friends abandon me for living different. Even if I have to take a pay cut. Even if I have to change my career. Even if I'm confident God's going to be with me. But even if he decides to do it differently, it's not going to change what I believe and who I serve. We need more of an even if kind of faith and less of a wait and see kind of faith. Sometimes we get so caught up when we're like, oh God, I just really hope you can show up in this. Just help. Please. <laughs> and God is like, who do you think you're talking to? I'm God. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean hope? I hope you show up? I have this. I got you. Let's not run from the fire. Let's walk into it together. I'm going to be with you. Even if. Can you imagine what our church would look like if we had an even if kind of faith? What would worship look like? If on a Sunday morning when you wake up and you genuinely don't feel good, you didn't get enough sleep, you're tired, you got a week of stress and things ahead of you, but you woke up and said, you know what, even if, even if I don't feel good, even if I don't feel like it, even if I'd rather stay home, I'm going to get into this church and I'm going to give God my all. Even if I don't know the worship song, even if I don't like that sermon, even if I'm going to have an even if kind of faith. What would our giving look like if we had an even if kind of faith? Even if. Even if. What would it look like in this room if we went to work and we went to the store and we did our daily tasks with an even if kind of faith? Even if the time is not right, I'm going to minister to that person in line. Even if I know what my boss, boss believes, I'm still going to ask him if I could pray with them. I'm going to invite them to church, even if. We all want an even if type of faith. Everyone wants to be the hero in the story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, yes! But if we're going to have an even if kind of faith, we have to be able to stand out. Before they ever made that statement, they had to stand out. That's my second point. We have to stand out. We, church, you, me, we are called to stand out apart from this world. 
not blend into it. The story, the setting they find themselves in is not very far from where we find ourselves in. How did they end up in Babylon? They're not from Babylon. They're not Babylonians. They're Israelites. But they were conquered. They were taken into this foreign land with these foreign gods and their idols and this wicked king. And they didn't belong there, but they found themselves there with a choice to make. And you and I are God's people, and we live in a foreign land that's not our home. We are in this world, but we're not to be of this world. Listen, church, if we're going to make a difference, we have to be different. There can be no part of us that blends into this world. We cannot change culture if we're blending into it. And listen, I know it's easy to be like, yeah, but no one wants to stand out. I mean, we want to stand out like on our terms when it's cool, when it's kind of fun. No one wants to stand out and be alone when 20,000 people are like (laughs) bowing. But if we're going to make a difference, we have to be different. Listen, Jesus did not die on a cross, raise up again for us to just bow to culture, to inconveniences, to compromise. God has not called you or anybody to just live a quiet Christian life and just listen to Christian radio and just, you know, do my thing. And like, no, 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 no. He hasn't called you to be a Christian bully either, (laughs) but he's called you to stand, to be different. The more I read this story, the more I'm like, okay, it may stand out. Yeah, we need to stand out in front of the world. And you know, sometimes that's not, it's challenging because we don't want to hurt or offend anybody. But a lot of times when we stand out in the world, they, they expect us to be different. I think it's more noticeable in the world when we blend in with them than when we're different from them. As a Christian, you should look different. But sometimes the most challenging people to stand out from are our fellow Christians. Think about this. As I, I read the story over and over throughout my life, the thing that starts to stand out of, to it, about me or stand out about it from me is when, you, when you're reading it, at first you're like, yeah, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they're so cool. They were like, forget everybody else. No, and they stood. So then the more I read it, I, I looked it up. So I was like, how many other Israelites were there? And at least 20,000 other Israelites were in the crowd. So 20,000 other people from the same land who served the same God, who were taught the same commandments, that you shall not have any other God before me, were all in that crowd, but only three stood? It becomes less impressive and more sad. Like, really? Only three? Can you imagine Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They're probably like, yeah. And they're like, what are you doing? Get up. Get up. You know, and they're like, stop looking at me, Shadrach. Shut up, Meshach. You know, like, they were probably shocked. I imagine that they were like, oh, what happened here? Where'd everybody go? Sometimes it's the hardest to stand out in front of our own Christian brothers and sisters. Sometimes you start to make a move. You start to fast and pray. 14 days of glory. And all of a sudden, sister shout about is like, Oh, you feel like you need to fast, huh? 
And you're like, well, yeah, I thought it'd be good for me. <laughs> They're like, oh, well, I already fast. You're just like, okay, be quiet. <laughs> Sometimes as Christians, we bow to things with little compromises, and we say things like what I'm sure these guys said. You know, God knows my heart. I know my own convictions. I don't need to make a stand. <laughs> it doesn't really seem like God would want me to die in the fire. So I'm just going to, no. <laughs> Even if. How is it that only three of the 20,000 were able to stand up and be bold for their God? I remember when I was an intern, when I was a, a young adult in internship, and all my fellow interns were all trained to be in ministry and like, signing up, right, to live life at a higher calling and all this stuff. And, and there was a time when the, a new movie had, was coming out, and it was, like, so exciting, right? Oh, we're going to see this movie together. It's going to be so cool. And it was all exciting, and, and we were poor at the time, everybody, because you're, like, paying for internship, right? So we're, we're, like, not eating Taco Bell to, like, save money <laughs> to go see this movie because we, we needed all the, the money we could get to pay to go sit in this theater. And we get there, and we're so excited. We're in the rows, and the movie's going. And like 20 minutes or so into the movie, I'm like, oh, starting to like sink into my chair. I'm like, this, this movie is, I shouldn't be here. I should not be watching this. This is not good for me. And I'm like starting to sweat, right? And you're like, Whew. okay, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. And I remember a couple of my friends were like, we, need, we, need, we should go. We should watch this. I start getting up and leaving, and, and my fellow interns, the Christians that I was doing this life with, are like, what are you doing? And I'm telling them, we shouldn't be watching this. This is not for us to watch. And I remember they go, but we paid for it already. <laughs> and then I had to think, like, I did pay for this. No, 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 it's wrong, wrong, wrong. Keep going, keep going, get out. <laughs> so I'm like, no, 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 we can't watch this. And I remember the next day, the ridicule. Like, you just care what pastor thinks. You just think you're better than everybody. Oh, you just want to be super spiritual now. Sometimes the hardest people you're going to have to stand out to are the fellow Christians in your family. Don't make excuses. Don't compromise. Because you'll end up bowing to something you never thought you would. You'll end up being a part of the wrong crowd. Don't go with the flow of what every other believer is doing if it's not what God is saying. Yet God knew their heart, but everyone else needed to see their heart, who they were standing for. I don't want to be an average Christian. I don't want to just go with the crowd of Christianity. Nobody wants to be average. Nobody wakes up and goes, I just going to be average today. <laughs> Nobody great goes like, I'm just going to wake up and be the most average person ever. <laughs> Could you imagine if Michael Jordan was like, you know what? I'm going to be the most average basketball player the NBA has ever seen. Like, no! Average is never good. And it's especially bad when you're a Christian. God has not called you to be an average Christian. Average Christianity is kind of lame. <laughs> the average Christian barely reads their Bible. The average Christian gives when they feel like it. The average Christian doesn't make church attendance a priority. I don't want to be average. I want to be supernatural. I want to be able to stand up when everyone is bowing down and say, no, 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 no. I'm confident in who God is. And even if he doesn't feel like saving me today, I don't care. 
I know who I serve. I know what I'm doing. Point number three, pay attention to what has your attention. Verse 12 says, they pay no attention to you, your majesty. They're not even worried about what you're doing, king. Now that stands out to me because there is a whole lot going on in this moment. There's gold statues, there's, there's trumpets, there's flutes. There's all the important people, everyone's bowing. And it says that they are standing out because they stood up and they're not even bothered by what's happening. All the noise and the threats and the fire and they aren't paying any attention to King Nebuchadnezzar. They're so confident who God was that they weren't worried about what he was doing. That wasn't even crossing their mind. They weren't taking into account like, oh, well, you know, no. They just stood. They weren't giving so much attention. I think sometimes as Christians, we can be so caught up in what the world is doing and how bad the world's getting and how bad the news is and how this politician and this stance and what they're teaching here. And, and I'm not saying be blind to that. I'm saying stand up against it instead of being so distracted by it. What has your attention? Do we give more attention to the problem than the God of the problem? Sometimes we get so wrapped up in the sensationalism of how dark darkness is. When are we going to be less shocked about sin and more amazed at how big God is? Listen, we don't have to be paying attention and angry about everything that's happening when we know who's overcomer of it all. He, God is the king. They weren't worried about King Nebuchadnezzar. They knew who the real king was. We need to be more confident who our God is and less consumed of what's happening around us. We, we, as Christians, whoa, we get so passionate about all the things we don't like. Oh, and we get on our Facebooks and we're like, and I'm going to post that, and where's that scripture? I'm going to tag 25 people, and then they'll know, okay? Like, <laughs> you really know when someone, like, angry typed, because there's, like, typos and... You know, they're trying to get a message across, but then they, like, autocorrect a weird word, and you're like, okay, you really should have taken a breath there, sis, okay? <laughs> Take a second. But we put all of our energy into what's bad, and then we forget to pray. <laughs> we forget to seek God about it. We forget to stand up, and we find ourselves on our knees, and we're like, this is so bad, this is so wrong. Instead of standing and being different. I want to encourage this church to be more confident in who God is and less consumed with what the enemy's doing. The enemy's the enemy. Same old tricks, same, same old thing, new tricks, but God is God. And he is under control. What if we turned our fear talk into faith talk? Imagine what would happen. Point number four, and this is my last point. Refuse to bow down to idols. Amen. Now listen, when we read that in the Bible or we hear that word idol, we think of like Indiana Jones, right? And the, the idol, and he's like this gold little thing. Or we think of little wood statues. But let me tell you, an idol is anything that becomes more important in your life than God. An idol becomes anything 
that you raise up, your, your family can become an idol. Our careers can become an idol. Our callings, we get so hard to God, what am I called to do? What are you calling me to do? It becomes an idol. It becomes more about the calling than about the God who's calling you. <laughs> Students, our homework, our college plans, our sports teams can become idols. If we plan our life and include God in it, then God is not the center. We live for God. We plan our life around God and everything else fits according to that or it does not. Can I tell you, for me, <laughs> I am my biggest idol. What do I want to do? What do I feel like eating? <laughs> what do I feel like worshiping to? What do I feel like doing? What do I want to do? How do I feel today? Me, me, me. Instead of saying, God, what do you want from me? God, I'm willing to do whatever you have for me. I have my preferences, and my preferences can become my idols. Because I can end up going to God and saying, God, whatever you have for me, even if it's the thing I don't want to do, I'm going to do it wholeheartedly with no complaints. Instead, sometimes I go to God and I say, God, I really hope you tell me I can do this. <laughs> and I just shut up. It's like, God's like, okay, well, you've already made your decision. <laughs> Guess you know best, Micaiah. <laughs> we can become our own idols. And I'm saying, church, we have to get back to, or for the first time, have that even if kind of faith. God, even if every loud king of this world, even if the fire is blazing, even if... Sometimes I think, what would happen if God didn't go in the fire? And I think it wouldn't have mattered. They still would have been heroes. We'd still know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There's, that's why martyrs are so powerful. Because to say, I'm willing to actually die for my God, that is a statement. But we know God showed up. They didn't know that. And even if they were willing to go in that fire. See, I think one of the differences in what we need to get in this room, where I challenge us to tap back into, is that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I think the difference between them and the other 20,000 was that before they were ever faced with the statue, before they ever saw the fire, they had already decided they were not going to bow. Church, if we wait, if we wait to see what challenge is going to meet us, then we are in danger of bowing to things that we're never meant to bow to. We have to decide now when we're in the comfort of this room with each other that no matter what's out those doors, no matter what happens tomorrow, that even if I'm going to make a stand for God, and even if it doesn't go the way I hoped, it will not matter. They had a resolve. I want to encourage, decide today before any idols get brought up, before any fires are being threatening in your face, before anything happens, that no matter what, I'm never going to bow. I'm going to stand. It wasn't a question. I imagine they weren't like, no. Can imagine those threes coming into Babylon and kind of talking to each other and saying, okay, don't know what's going to happen here, but we're all on the same page, right? No one's bowing. 
There was a decision made in their heart that no matter what, before anything ever came to challenge them, they were not gonna bow. I think we need to get that today. That even if no matter what, now God, before anything is even facing me, I will not bow. I'm confident in who you are, God. I know the God of my problems, not just my problems. I know the God of my prayer requests, not just my prayer requests. I'm confident of who he is, that he's gonna show up for me, but even if he doesn't, he's got my best for me. Everybody wants to show up with Jesus in the fire, but we have to be willing to get in the fire. I'm gonna pray for us this morning, church. I wanna encourage you. I don't know what you have going on in your life. I don't know what's going on this week. Maybe you have big decisions to make. Maybe you have to take a stand. Maybe God is calling you to get off of your knees and stand again. Maybe there's fear. Maybe you've, you know God is good, but you're afraid. I want to encourage you. He is with you. God is waiting for you to get in the fire and so he can show up and give you a miracle. I want us all to stand, church. I want to pray for you. Let's just stand together. I believe in you, church. I'm proud of you. I know many of us are, we are already making a stand. Many of us have that kind of faith. Why don't you just close your eyes and just allow the Lord to have a minute to just to examine our hearts. And maybe we've taken a stand or we have that faith in God for everything except that one area of our life. Sometimes it's the thing that's the closest to us. It's the hardest thing to, to just say, God, even if. I want us to be willing to just say, God, even if. Even if, God. I want to pray for you this morning, church. Lord Jesus, I pray for every single person in this room. God, you have called them. God, you've called them to be above average, God to be supernatural. God, not to bow, but to stand. God, you've called them to be so confident in who their God is that they can say, even if it doesn't work, my God is for me. To not be shaken. God, I pray that you would impart into us a resolve. And even if faith that no matter what, I know who my God is, but even if it doesn't go the way I plan, He is for me. That is not a question in our minds. God, I pray, Lord, any fear or worry in this place would be lifted off of your people. God, I pray that they would worship more than they worry. God, let them pray more than they panic, God. God, encourage them. Speak to our hearts, God. Breathe into us, God, an even-if kind of faith. God, it's who you've designed us to be. God, you're in the fire with us. You don't ever leave us. If you're in this room and you, you've walked away from God, you've been distant from God, you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior, you know, sometimes we think walking away from God means you're in some kind of blatant sin, but sometimes it means you've just disconnected. You haven't even thought of God this week. You're saying, God, no, no, no. I want to get back, be right with you. If that's you in the room, I want to pray for you. We're going to pray together. 
If you're saying, I want to ask Jesus to forgive my sins, to come into my heart, to be my Savior, my Lord, the focus of my life, I'll just slip up a hand so we could pray for you. I'll pray for you. Yeah. Yeah, I see that hand. I see you. Yep, I see you. Church, let's close our eyes. Let's pray together. Let's repeat after me. Dear Jesus, forgive me of all my sin. Forgive me for making idols and sometimes forgetting who you are. Jesus, I believe on you. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Savior and my Lord. Help me to stand. Help me to have even if faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love you, church. I'm proud of you. You're awesome. You have even if faith. Go home, go into your workplaces, your families, and have an even if faith. And we will see you next weekend. Prayer this Wednesday night. All the things. Sign up for VBS. Can't wait to see you next week. Love you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. We pray that today's message has touched your heart and encouraged your spirit. We believe that the Word of God has the power to transform our lives and inspire us to be better versions of ourselves. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please share it with your friends and family. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more inspirational messages. Until next time, may the good Lord bless you. And we look forward to seeing you at one of our weekend services and sharing with you once again next week.